artist Adam, welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Anderson East over Zoom video. Anderson East was born and raised in Athens, Alabama, and he talks about how he got into music, grew up in the church, started to sing and play guitar at a very early age, wrote a song for his seventh grade talent show, wrote and performed a song for a seventh grade talent show. He later moved to Middle Tennessee, went to Middle Tennessee State University, became a music engineer, but he had always been recording music on a four track. That's where he started out, began playing around the Nashville area. He talked about putting out his first couple records, the huge moment when he was playing a sold out show at the basement in Nashville and signing a record contract on the same day. We hear about that album, Delilah, the follow-up record, Encore, and all about his latest record, Maybe We Never Die, which was started during 2019, end of 2019, into the beginning of 2020, and the whole record was done completely different than he's ever done an album, but him and his band went back into the studio for one afternoon and re-recorded the whole record live, live at Fame. So there's Maybe We Never Die and then Maybe We Never Die, the Fame version, which is a completely reimagined version of the record all done live in one afternoon. You can watch our interview with Anderson East on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Anderson East. So I'm Adam, and I appreciate you doing this, man. Hey, thank you, Adam. This is about you, your journey in music, and of course, uh, we'll talk about the the record and the the new, uh, you know, reimagined version of the record, the the live version you guys did. Cool, sweet, awesome. Well, uh, all right. Oh, all right. As that column was going to say something. Cool. We'll just rock and roll into it. So, talk to me about uh, where were you born and raised? Uh, I was. I'm from Athens, Alabama. Okay. Yeah. Are you in you're in Nashville now? Is that what I saw? Mm-hmm. Okay. I live in the area as well. So that was cool. Oh, right on. Yeah, I actually recently moved here from California, San Diego. I don't think you're alone in that. I know. What's crazy is we moved here uh February of last year. Okay. And like everyone I was running into, they're like, Oh, yeah, of course you're from California. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? And then like there's this whole surge of people that were moving here from California that I had honestly had no concept that that was even a, a thing that was happening <laughs> until I yeah. got here. Yeah. We, uh, apparently it's like the fastest growing city, one of the fastest growing in, in the country. So it's been yeah. a wild, wild transformation since I've got here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you're <laughs> looking at it like, oh, okay, get out of here. But <laughs> <laughs> Everything, um, Everything's good by me, man. But, uh, well, talk to me about growing up in, in Alabama. What was that like? Um, you know, it was a pretty small town. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's another one of those places that's getting bigger by the day. But, um, you know, it was, you know, very close-knit community and, and uh, you know, 
one of those southern towns with a church on every corner. So we were a dry county up until fairly recently. So there was no like uh, really? no bars or couldn't buy booze or anything like that. So the uh, the exposure to music was pretty limited. I think, you know, booze and music go pretty hand in hand. Uh, or like so, bars that you could probably play at, you know, early right. on. Like yeah, we, we never had any of that. Like the, the closest we, we had was uh, there was like a church youth group coffee shop that would do like a, like a coffee house thing on like one Wednesday a month or something. And all the, you know, kids that were in bands would show up and, and play that. So, um, so yeah, it was just kind of like a, a musical desert, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's odd being like, you know, that close to, um, to muscle shoals and, and things like that. But, uh, I don't know, for me, I was just, uh, just, willing to kind of absorb anything I could get my hands on uh, back then. So, you know, I was working at the the local Sam Goody and all that growing up. And- oh, really? <laughs> That's cool. The Sam Goody, man. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard that name in a minute. Um, so t- uh, I did uh, see or read that you're from a pretty musical household, though. I mean, having not many places maybe to see it, but I like in the church, it was huge for you and your family, right? Yeah, you know, I was uh I was there every time the doors were open and was always in some kind of choir or some kind of uh you know performance of some type and and you know I still to this day am you know I'm a huge lover of gospel music and mm-hmm. all of its very various forms and I don't know, it seems to be like the the consistent thing I can always come back to and, and kind of recharge the batteries. Mm-hmm. Definitely been in that that frame for quite a few months now. Was I'm sure that was probably what the first places you were able to perform. I mean, especially like with music and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it was you know my mom was the piano player, and uh, so I was you know kind of always just around those those kind of classic hymnals and mm-hmm. uh, and and my folks, my grandparents were you know you know really into you know, Everly Brothers and, uh, you know, Floyd Kramer and all that kind of uh, now classic Nashville sounding uh, gospel records. Oh, cool. So that, that definitely seeped in very heavy. Yeah. Did you pick up piano at an early age? Was that something you started playing when you were young? I mean, due to your mom playing? Yeah. Mom, yeah. Mom was the player, player of the family and uh, we were, living with my grandparents for a little while when I was younger and, um, and I had, you know, taken up guitar and was all kind of pretty self-taught and had a rudimentary understanding of, of music and theory. And, and she's always played just by sight. She can, you know, sight read Beethoven if she needs to. Oh, wow. You know, I was trying to learn like, you know, Hey mom, what's a, what's a D chord or something on the piano? She's like, "I, I don't even, I don't know what a chord is. So it was this, like, she couldn't, uh, we weren't speaking the same language when it right, comes to Right, right. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, so, but you were playing guitar. When did you start playing guitar? Um, I, was, I think I probably started somewhere in around fifth grade. I don't know how old you are. Okay, around, about 10, 11 years old. 
something like that. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was the kid, uh, uh, you know, my, my folks split up when I was pretty young. So, you know, all of my, I, w- I would go to each of their houses like every other week. So I was literally carrying a Marshall half stack on a dolly to school with me. <laughs> I could transport it back and forth. Oh, wow. <laughs> you didn't want to go with the combo amp. <laughs> No, man, not back then. Absolutely. <laughs> right. better. For sure. It's funny to think about like 15, maybe even longer now, years ago, like the half stack was the thing. Like if you're going to play anywhere, a venue or whatever, it was always like, got to get the half stack. I have the head. Yeah. And like, now you'll see people on stage with just like a little combo amp. That's a, that sounds amazing. Oh yeah. I mean, I've re- resorted all the way down to, you know, taking out these digital units and, like, man, my, my back hurts. I'm tired of carrying this heavy shit around. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I saw also that you wrote a song really early. You're pretty young and performed like an original song at your school. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, our like, uh, middle school talent show. We, uh, me and me and my, my friends, we had our, uh, had a band and, and yeah, I wrote a, I wrote a song for that. And, uh, I can't really recall what it was, but it was uh, no doubt incredible. And <laughs> no, it, no recording of it anywhere. There might be a VHS tape somewhere in the archives, but okay. I'm in no hurry to go dig that up. But <laughs> remember, we, they were only going to give us one song uh, to play, and and we, uh, as the rebellious young men that we were, decided to hell we're going to play Freebird too. Did yeah. you really? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. I don't think we were, I think we were able to get like the lyric part done, but I don't think we were competent as musicians enough to, to really get that, to really nail that ending. To handle, yeah, handle that solo there at the end. Yeah. But still, that's funny to go into Freebird. Like that, yeah, that's, that's great. Nevertheless, we didn't win. So, yeah. Really? Even with an original song? Even with it. Cause that's pretty impressive. I mean, especially seventh grade going and then going up there in front of all your peers, which I always find is funny when people tell me that their first performance was like, Oh yeah. The first time I was saying was at the school talent show. I'm like, you, that's the people you're going to see every day for probably at least the next five, six years. Like I would think going into a coffee shop to 20 people that you maybe have never met or will ever will see would be a lot easier. Like first gig. Yeah, well, I've definitely done my fair share of those, but you know, when your social standing in middle school isn't too high, you don't have anywhere to go but up. So <laughs> there you go. Oh, <laughs> may may help things out. Did you continue like after you wrote that first song and you know did this the seventh grade talent show? Was that something that you just kind of got the bug and you just kept writing from there on out? Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, being that there wasn't any place to like play and. Uh, and you know, God bless my friends at the time that I just kind of conned them all into buying instruments. So that nobody really had the, you know, deep passion to, to get out there and, and play. So, um, you know, for me, everything was always kind of revolving around, uh, recording. And okay. so I just, I always just wanted to make records and, um, you know, was just fascinated with that. And then it just so happens that, you know, to be able to record something, you have to have a, a song to record. So um, kind of everything that, that I've done, you know, in life has always stemmed back to, to, to getting to record it. 
Okay. And did you, was that something you were like, did you buy like a four track early on or like, how do you start recording? Yeah, I've got it. I actually still have it. It's a Tascam Porta one. Wow. Yeah. Little four channel tape recorder. So you started when, when did you start using that? Like in high school or. Um, yeah, that was probably like eighth grade, some, something around that middle school. And, you know, and that was kind of right when, um, I guess probably like home computers were, were starting to become a thing too. So, you know, we, we would drive to the uh, Barnes Noble or whatever the bookstore was. And I would, you know, buy all these like mix magazines and, you know, there'd be all these, you know, huge consoles and I'd be like, there's a computer there and somehow they're getting the sound in the computer. Mm-hmm. And so there was just like, you know, the end, there was no, you know, YouTube to, to, to learn any of the shit. And sure. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, seeing all these like boxes of gear and you're like, I think you plug cords into the back of them. And oh, sorry, somebody's trying to interfere with me, but hopefully okay. it's still running. Yeah, I don't I didn't even hear anything. Okay, good deal. Um, yeah, I, I was just always just so fascinated with with gear and uh, you know just how to make all of it work and how to make you know that tape sound like a Michael Jackson record. Whenever I would go play it in the car, and um, yeah, that's a pursuit that I'm, I still haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> uh, were you like when you record yourself on these tapes? Was it something you'd pass out at school or? you know, kind of, or were they all kind of just for you? Uh, you know, I, I, I think I played one during like a, I don't know, some kind of like class presentation or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and then I, I learned my lesson. I was like, oh, I'm never doing this again. That was, that was terrifying and, and awful. And, you know, it's just some, you know, tiny little, you know, speaker from, you know, 1999 mm-hmm. and like, yeah, we're not going to do this anymore. <laughs> uh, you, you went to to school where in uh, Murfreesboro, right? For yeah, yeah, to learn how to record. Mm-hmm. Was yeah, that right out of high school? Did you go? Did you go to college there? Yeah, yeah, I went there. Uh, I guess I was seventeen. Whenever we did that, and you know, my my parents like you're you've got to go to college, or you're just going to end up being a loser, and so. I found out that you could go to school to, you know, sit in a recording studio. And I was like, well, if that's how we're going to play this, I'll, I'll teach you. <laughs> right. There you go. And, uh, yes, I did that. And yeah, it was, it was a good experience. You know, I learned, uh, I learned, uh, you know, at least just the technical proficiency to, you know, be dangerous with, with what I was doing. And, uh, you know, I met, you know, some, some of my really close friends that, uh, I still work with quite a bit. Wow. Were you playing out in Nashville at all, at all around that same time? Or were you mainly focused just on learning the you know recording process? Yeah, I was, I was kind of just playing anywhere that, that they would have me. Um, okay. And, you know, there was, you know, luckily there was a, a few hotel basements that were doing, you know, kind of open mic nights and stuff like that. And, uh, and then I was, I was working at a uh, a studio down on Music Row that's no longer there uh, for my friend Daniel, and uh, was just like, "This is this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be." You know, that same studio is where they recorded the 
the Budweiser frog commercial. Dude, really? Yeah. So I found the, the tapes for that in the basement and I was like, that's crazy. What a claim to fame this place is. You know? <laughs> that's amazing. That's really funny. <laughs> um, so you're out working there, <laughs> still doing the thing and you put an EP out right under a different name. Yeah. I, pr- I put, put a few things out there. That was just kind of, you know, always, uh, uh, I don't know. They're kind of like, I guess, business cards to, to let you go play a show. You know, that was, okay. You, you had to have, you know, something if you wanted to go, you know, travel the Southeast and, you know, play to nobody, you at least had to have some credentials, I guess, going in to do that. And stuff. <laughs> so that you knew how to play something. Yeah. I was like, please believe me. I can do this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and w- with that, when did you end up, you know, switching it to Anderson East and putting out a record or like, when did that transformation happen? Uh, I guess I was still, still, uh, in college. Okay. Doing that. And yeah, I've just always kind of tried to build up some kind of emotional distance between myself to, to at least be, uh, I don't know, to, to be a little more comfortable or be a little more honest uh, in some kind of twisted approach. Okay. And what would you say, like, what would you say, like, the first kind of big moment for you? Or when did you, like, start seeing your career really happen? Um, uh, I don't really know if there was, like, a defining moment. Okay. Um, I think there, I, I played... Um, I guess it was right before um, Delilah came out and uh, we were playing the, the basement, the, the OG basement here in town. And okay. um, yeah, it was like, I went out to dinner and like signed the paperwork for, for a record deal. Okay. And went and played a, a sold out show and it like, and it wasn't my, my friends that were in the crowd. And I was like, Jesus, this is crazy. All these people, I got one over on all these people. And it was, you know, only like a hundred people, but, but it was a, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty big deal for me. That was, that was pretty That's nice. huge though. I mean, yeah. obviously you attracted the attention of the, of the label before signing the contract. Was that on the, that first record that you'd done? Yeah, that was, uh, we kind of just went ahead and, and made, made that record without, uh, kind of any plans again just like the the business card to go out and play mm-hmm. shows and and uh yeah it just kind of it, it worked out and and some people liked it enough to you know take a shot on us so landed with the right people yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you did what the you did it in two halves or there's two one recorded in nashville one in la oh no that was uh that was another project before oh. the, yeah okay and, uh, yeah, that was that was super fun. Uh, um, you know, that was kind of the first like, uh, like, actually, you know, going outside of like whatever my immediate means were at the time to make something, and and um, you know, it was it was super cool. You know, uh, got to play with some some amazing guys. Some of the um, some of the guys from Counting Crows were on that, and. Wow. Rob Wasserman played bass and Don Huffington played, played drums and like Waddy Wattel played guitar. So it was just like, wow, I, I'm, you know, I'm actually around people that are legit doing it. And, 
And so it was, a, it was a, it was a great experience. It was a big, big learning experience and definitely poked a lot of, a lot of holes in, in, um, kind of just my craft and, and what I was trying to accomplish. Um, so it was good. It was a good learning experience. Was it intimidating being around, you know, people that had been doing it for a while? Like, I mean, the guys were kind of crows, like, et cetera. Oh yeah. It was absolutely terrifying being, <laughs> you know, 19 years old and, you know, in a, you know, city that's for me, incredibly uncomfortable. And, uh, and then just around these like, you know, real heavy hitters. And so it was, uh, it was definitely intimidating, but everybody was incredibly welcoming and, and, and really kind and, uh, really complimentary. And so it, it, it gave me encouragement to, you know, keep pushing on with it. Sure. Wow. And once you signed, like you're telling us about the, you signed the deal and you have a sold out show at the basement. Uh, once you signed this record deal, what, what changed from there? Like, you know, moving forward, like, okay, I signed the paperwork. <clears throat> it's a deal. Like, how do you like, you know, what kind of lands with that? Um, I think the, for for me, the you know, uh, you know, I've never been you know kind of like the the radio artist, so I was I was a little scared to um, kind of jump into all that. But but what it ultimately ended up was providing us the opportunity to to go on the road and stay on the road and have um, have support there until we got our own our feet underneath us, and um, so that's kind of you know really where where i started figuring things out was was you know playing you know 200 shows a year for mm -hmm. the next you know four or five years so yeah wow and with with the second what would you say like a milestone would be from that that next record encore um yeah it was kind of you know just the the progression of 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 playing to where you're uh, you know, you're doing a, every kind of opening slot you can get with, mm -hmm. with everyone, anyone that'll take you. Uh, and then, you know, I think that was kind of the first like major, major, uh, like headline tour and, and, you know, the, the, and the, the anxiety and, and fear of like, you're, you know, sitting backstage before the show going, is anybody going to show up to this? Like, what, what are we doing here? You know, <laughs> in some just random town halfway across the country, you're like, there's no way. And then you walk out there and there's actually people there. And, um, yeah, it's, it was kind of a, just an odd realization that I don't know that uh, I guess that like it was at least resonating with some folks and enough mm -hmm. to, for them to, uh, you know, spend their nights with us. You still kind of, it sounded like you kind of had like an imposter syndrome type situation, like deal going on where, you know, you get to a town, you're like, is anyone even going to show up here? Like, do you still kind of have that fear oh, at all or no? Oh, oh really? Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's like, a, I don't know. I'm not like, like kind of a, uh, kind of a throw and go kind of guy. Like I, I like to be, uh, hyper prepared and feel like I've, uh, you know, done all the groundwork before I get to any kind of situation. And, mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, going, you know, I, especially, you know, coming up in, in Nashville and being around all the people that I, that I was and, and still am like, 
they're the best. Like, you know, like they're li- like, literally you can go like walk down the street and see like the best guitar player, like on the planet, like the best songwriters are here, like the best producers are here. like, so when you're walking around, like, I don't have any business being around these people. And, and so, you know, your Uber driver is a probably better songwriter than you are. And, <laughs> Doubtful, <laughs> but I see what you're saying. You know, I mean, there was, a, there was a bartender, you know, down at this joint we used to go to that, I mean, could literally mop the floor with anybody. And it's just like, just there just slinging Budweiser's all night. And so, so yeah, it's, it's just kind of, I've just tried to, you know, be able to hold my own and, and, you know, feel like I've, I can at least, you know, hang in whatever Mm -hmm. situation that, that I get presented with. Sure. And with, uh, like, what would you say? I mean, you said you were playing 200 shows a year for the next five, five years or so. Uh, when you look at where were you when, when, you know, 2020 happens, the world shuts down. Cause I know you put out, uh, maybe we never died last year, and then obviously this new version of it, I want to talk to you about. So like, where were you at when that happened and how did that then lead into that record or were they songs you wrote during that period or were they done prior? Yeah, it was a, it was a little mix of both. Um, okay. we had, uh, we'd started a couple months before, uh, everything went down. I mean, we, the way we kind of normally make records is, is like, we'll go on tour for, you know, a couple months and then have a week or two at home. And so when we're home for those two weeks is when we were, we would usually be making the record and then we'd go back out. And, and so like this time, like we, we were literally on a cruise the like week before all the lockdowns and everything. Happened. Oh, wow. We were, we were playing. Good thing you got off of cruise ship. Yeah. Cause those are the ones that were stuck out there. Yeah. That was like that, that diamond princess thing where like, yeah, we were on a boat, like watching the news about this other boat being, trapped at sea and all this shit so that's crazy so anyways we were kind of doing that back and forth and then um you know i I was thinking that we that the record was getting you know somewhat done Mm -hmm. and then um i know you know we uh, we were working out of uh uh, the the small room over at southern ground and uh and then like literally the world just turned off like one afternoon and uh, so I was like, well, I guess we're going to put a pause on making this record. I don't, you know, you, it, cause we still had shows lined up. We were supposed to be like, oh, we got like two weeks and we'll, you know, be back out there and then we'll finish this thing back up. And, you know, two weeks turned into two months and, and excuse me, we're just still writing. And finally I was like, you know what, I, you know, I, w- I was writing all these songs that were like, oddly foreshadowing everything and and then once uh once it all kind of culminated i was like well fuck this we gotta i gotta write some just happy stuff or just something that makes me like excited and uh you know get my mindset away from the realities uh you know of the situation and so uh just kind of like stuck I, i had a little room up at rca and was just you know in there just like tinkering stuff like you know sounds i could make like right in front of me just because you couldn't be be around people so mm-hmm. we started kind of just taking that approach of of like um you know the writing process ended up turning into the recording process and then we tried to you know 
do this back and forth dance of trying to, you know, reintroduce some humanity into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was really, it was, a, it was an odd, um, it was an odd experience making that record and um, kind of uncomfortable at times just because, you know, I didn't necessarily have that skill set that, that one needs, like, making that kind of record and so i was having to learn all this new stuff which was which was great and um but but yeah that's kind of you know that whole you know dance of of making something you know in 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 an isolated kind of way Mm -hmm. is that kind of what like led into the idea of then doing this fame studios record yeah um so what we went down pretty much like when the uh when all like the lockdowns and everything lifted and people were you know starting to relax a little more i it was just mainly it was just a selfish thing for me i was like man i just miss being in a studio with my friends mm-hmm. and uh and you know we were talking i was like well what do you want to do should we just do like a i don't know like acoustic version of something or what and 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 dave was just like hey man let's just uh let's go down to fame and just recut this thing in an afternoon it's like hell yeah sign me up so (laughs) we just went down there and cut you know all 11 or 12 songs that day and and it was great it was like oh i've missed this so much just you know being around such great people and great musicians and uh in such a you know place that i love and respect so much it was it was just kind of like uh reintroduce you know ourselves back into the world again so it was really fun it was really great and uh yeah really happy with how it turned out yeah i mean the record sounds amazing was the first like when you put it out not the first one but you know the the version that wasn't recorded at fame studio you said that was done pretty much all, was it all done remotely? Like you'd write something and send it. And like you said, the back and forth dance, was that whole the, how the entire record was finished? Um, I mean, there was, um, you know, like, uh, our keyboard player, Phil, he, he, uh, helped produce it along with, with Dave and myself. And so, you know, we would kind of, we would all kind of, kind of get together for, for a day and, kind of work on like a little roadmap of, of what we were doing. And then Phil and I would kind of, you know, bounce things back and forth off each other. And then, uh, we get a, a couple tunes under our belt and then we'd all just kind of meet back up again and assess, you know, what the damage was and then kind of add and reduce things. And, um, and, and then, yeah, we would do kind of, uh, kind of like we did everything slightly backwards. Uh, so like, you know, drums and bass were pretty much the last thing on the record. Wow. That's yeah. interesting, especially with timing and everything. It was really, it was really hard. Um, cause you know, I was doing a lot of programming and, and, you know, just manipulating things on my own. And so, and again, I wasn't very good at it. So I was just having these super, uh, waving, like you'd still be working in say like, you know, like an eight bar phrase mm-hmm. and, you know, within that eight bars, it was moving a lot, you know, around the beat, but it was moving a lot in a very predictable manner. Um, and so once you'd kind of, you know, written the song and kind of gotten some, some basic tracks going, you know, you're, 
you're stuck in that little time, you know, the irregular regularity of the time. And so it was this really interesting thing of like, you know, coming back with, with actual drums and getting it all to, to make sense within this kind of loose, but very rigid framework we had already built. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely a learning curve making it all work. And, but I think at the end of the day, like it, it still comes out feeling, uh, human. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the goal. With, uh, with those songs was the fame studios with the first time you had performed them all together, like in a, like in a live setting. And was it hard to kind of yeah transfer, like translate what you had been doing all kind of not all over the place, but all virtually and then mate back together and then apart and meet back together. And now you got to come up with a record or how to play the whole record through together. Not only that, you did it in an afternoon. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I, you know, we were, we were joking the whole time. I was like, damn, it's super easy to make a record once you've done it the same, the first time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Even, but even that though, I mean, to think 12 songs and the way it was kind of done it wasn't like, okay, you sat, played a song, you're like, okay, here's the first song, and kind of banged it out that way. But then to have the whole band together and set it all up in, in that setting, that's been really incredible. Yeah, I, you know, that's just kind of a, you know, a, a testament to, to really how, how Dave, Dave Cobb works. Um, you know, and, and that's pretty much how, you know, all the other records were made was just, you know, human beings sitting in the same room with each other. And, you know, after, you know, two or three takes of it, you pretty much got it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're at least, you know, not having to change arrangement, you know, to, you know, uh, you know, perfect like the song structure or anything that that's the things that usually takes the most time. But, you know, if you already have that stuff ironed out, then you can just go play. Uh, and then you're just, you know, trying to be conscious and aware of just how things feel and, and then just, you know, having the, uh, the discipline enough to know when, when you, when you got it. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of like a, like having trust obviously in, in someone like Dave Cobb, who's a legend going, okay, that was a great take or that works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's, it's rare to find that kind of trust in people and, mm-hmm. But with him, you know, we've been friends for long enough to where uh, I I can fully respect and, uh, you know, listen to his opinion. You know, um, the, the, the band uh, Rival Sons, like, it's like one of my favorite stories is, and, and one of my favorite songs, uh, I think it's Jordan. I think that's the name of the song, but it's, it's incredible. And the vocal performance is just absurd. And that's the first take, like the whole thing, first take. And, and, and Jay, you know, has, has said that, you know, it's like he wanted to do it again, you know, to, to really get in there and explore. And Dave was like, no, you're done. (laughs) And, And Jay's one of the best singers ever too. So, you know, to, to just be like that, uh, just aware of a performance is, is really something. Yeah. Wow. Just, no, you're not doing it in. Sorry. That was perfect. I mean, I guess you got to take the guy's, you know, word for it, obviously. Yeah. Um, wow. I have a, just a couple more questions. I'm curious. He said, um, 
that you're writing more like, you know, down songs. I mean, I don't know if you use the word down, but you said like you want, you got to a place where you wanted to write more like upbeat, like happy ish mm-hmm. sounding songs. Like how far into the record were you? And like, do you remember what song kind of you wrote that changed that? Like the um, first one you're like, Oh yeah, this is more upbeat. Yeah. It was, um, uh, falling was, was the, the song that kind of just like, we took a different turn. It was like, let's just do something fun. Okay. And, uh, it was, it was mainly just me, uh, me and my buddy Trent Dabbs. Um, we're just sitting around, you know, one night and, uh, yeah, that thing just kind of fell out by accident. And I don't even think either one of us thought that like, uh, I don't know. It, it was like a record song. It was just like, let's just make something so we don't go crazy today. And, uh, and then you know we were listening back to it. And I was like, "Damn, I really like this song. Like, I think right. it, I think it's actually good, you know." And and so we you know just kind of tweaked on it a little more. And and a majority majority of everything on that that track was just from you know that that evening of us just you know sitting in that closet, just tinkering away and drinking whiskey and just crossing our fingers. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really did a great job, man. That's a rad song. Um, and with the, with the fame studio thing, you have some features on it. I mean, just the, right off the bat, you have Vance joy on the first song and Foy Vance. Oh, Close. Foy Vance. I'm sorry. Yeah. Who I've actually recently interviewed. And I don't know why I said advanced joy, but yeah, Foy Vance, uh, who's an incredible songwriter and, and singer. Yeah. Tell me about getting, was he actually there with you or is that something that you punched in? Yeah, that one. I, you know, he was. Uh, he lives in Scotland, so so I just mm-hmm. sent him, sent him that that track. I was like, please sing on this, and, and he was <laughs> very very gracious. And yeah, Foy's been like he's he's been an incredible friend. But I've you know, he's he's like one of my musical heroes. I I love him to death, and I I think he's one of the the the, the greatest singers and and writers ever. And uh, yeah, I, I met him like ten probably over 10 years ago now. And, uh, it was right when his record hope came out and, okay. and we were at this like, uh, uh, folk festival in Canada and I was just pretty much just like fanboyed in him. And I was like, man, you're, I'm going to be your friend. I, I don't know what else to tell you. And, uh, so, and he like, you know, we, we sat around and, and drank and talked that whole night. And then he was like, Hey man, I'm playing the show tomorrow. Come be in my band. And oh, I was like, wow, what? this is nuts. So yeah, he had never heard me sing or play or anything. And I just said, yeah. And so, and here we are fast forward all that time. That's incredible. Yeah. He's such a fun, like chat. I mean, I talked to him for, for a long time. Like he, he was, he has some crazy stories about it. Like Ed Sheeran, like seeing him when he was like 12, 13 years old. And, and like, obviously he's on his label now. And, and I guess mm-hmm. Ed Sheeran told him like, you can put out, I'll put out every one of your records. Like he's that big of a fan of his and just said, yeah. I don't care what you do, whatever you want to do. It was, you know, I'm not looking at sales, nothing like, yep. I love your songwriting and I'm going to put out any record that you ever want to release. And that was yeah. like, wow. I've gotten big love for Ed for just that, just that reason to, to make sure that, that he's always got an avenue to, to make, make whatever he wants. And, and he hasn't disappointed thus far. No, he, I know that's the thing too. It's like, he probably will never put out a bad record, but the fact that he doesn't even have to worry, like you have like the 
biggest star on the planet right now telling you do whatever the hell you want. Like I got you. (laughs) It's insane. But, um, dude, thank you so much for, for doing this. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I love the record. I love the, the live version. I can't believe that was done. Like honestly, in one afternoon, that blows my mind. Well, thank you very much for listening to it. And, and thanks for talking and, and thanks for the good questions, man. Thank you. I have one more quick one for you. Yeah. Um, if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Um, if you can do anything else, do that. But if not, then just do it and, uh, and, and have fun doing it. Because my, my, our trumpet player, Ben, always has this like total dad joke and I fucking hate it, but it's true. He's just like, they call it playing for a reason. And, you know, but it's true. And you're like, yeah, okay, I get it. And, uh, but I, th- I think that's it, man. And, and just, you know, do what makes you happy and everything else will fall into place. 